0: lot talk radio It's that time guys. And it's the Next Space Show with Alan Joe. This is k Ward Radio, and we are here on Sunday night. So glad to have you aboard. I uh, see a couple of people have have already logged in, and gosh, you guys are ready to rock and roll, and so are we. Got a lot of things to go over, but before we do that, we're going to go over the calendar really fast. This is the local calendar, as I see it. Uh, Glendale Chocolate Affair is on uh, the 30th and 31st uh, it's next weekend. And on Wednesday, the 28th, we have the Hey Girls Show, 8 o'clock to 10 p.m. And this week we are we have the American Long Spurs on. So this is a music show. Hey Girls Show is an Americana show. It's all independent music. And uh, we like to, you know, showcase the independent uh, musical groups because we think that, uh, you know, again, they're part of the creative people that we love and, and, and adore. So we get them involved. What else do we have going on? Wow. That's the end of the month. And can you believe January's already over? <laughs> Obviously, even though it'll be a Super Bowl, we're still uh, we're going to be here uh, next Sunday, even though the Super Bowl is going. Yeah. So, For those, you know, of you geeks who don't like Super Bowl and don't care about Super Bowl, even though it's in Arizona, we don't care about Super Bowl. It's on the other side of town, which is a good thing. (laughs) It's in Glendale. We're not in Glendale, so thank goodness. So uh, Super Bowl, of course, is in Arizona, and so are we. Uh, We're in Phoenix. Uh, We're in a... We are in an area called Mesa, which is on the other side of the world to Glendale, which is where the where the uh all the things are happening. So but we'll be here anyway. So seven PM next Sunday we'll be here again. Uh doesn't matter if Super Bowl or not. So um and again we've got a lot of topics to talk about. Uh just to remind you, the phone number, Colin phone number is seven one four two four two five one four five and this is man space. So if you have anything to talk to us about man Space, please please definitely call in. Um but we don't talk about religion, we don't talk about politics unless it has something to do with man space. So keep it relevant guys, okay? So without further ado, I'm gonna introduce my are you ready? Al said he's ready. That's that's a good thing. <laughs> So we're on a go now. As a reminder, we are um, we've got the information going on underneath the chat, right underneath the show. Um, we give you guys all of the links that we're talking about as we're talking. So um, I add the links, and you guys can click on them or copy and paste them, so that way you guys can go through them later. Again, this show is archived right after this, right after uh, we get done talking. Um about half an hour after the show it goes in archive mode and so it's a gift that keeps on giving. You guys can keep on you can go back and listen. Um especially if you're having problems keeping your login, which apparently a couple of people are having some trouble keeping staying online. So well we hope you can stay online and listen. Uh but if you can't and you have some problems with your with you know, with staying online, Again, this is goes in archive mode, and you can you take you can listen at your leisure at any time. Uh, also, go back to previous episodes and listen to them as well. So, without further ado, this is Al and Joe, and this is Al. Hey, Al. Hey there. It's
1: been a busy week.
0: <laughs> I guess so. I it's all been a it's a
1: challenging here. week. I know. Um, I know a lot of people are preparing for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Super Bowl, and you know, I I had to I had to giggle today. I was watching, I, I was glancing at one of the signs, and it's X Super Bowl X L I X. Now I don't know my uh, my Roman numerals that well.
0: X L uh, I X. X
1: L I X. I X is it's, nine. It's
0: like, okay. So X L. Yeah, that's that's where I get lost. It was like <laughs> no,
1: it no, no, it's B-
0: like forty nine? No, 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 be 20. Well, no, it's got to be. I it was like 49. You know, here it is. But anyway, anyway, right anyway here in Arizona, okay, we don't okay, even okay. know what freaking number okay. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am not
1: uh,
0: a not fan, a not a fan of, of any kind
1: of spectator sports. I, I do enjoy a game every once in a while, and and I'll, I'll kind of get sucked into watching them every once in a while if they're on the TV and various different places I go. But I have to, I had to, you know, with all the the. the the things going on with not only the Super Bowl, but but other games leading up to the bowl. Uh, yeah,
0: um, there's always that, isn't it?
1: Th- there's always stuff. And, and always, always the hoopla stuff. going we, around about well, the, sure. the
0: Super Bowl this week. And, and
1: these years, in these past few years, there's been the uh, hoopla about the commercials and all the scandalous things going on oh, and things like that. Well, I sure. But we don't make, we don't make
0: I had, a scandal. Well, but okay,
1: but I wanted to share something here. <laughs> There was this stray thought, and you, you got to watch people like us because these stray thoughts, they get us in trouble. They get us into serious
0: trouble. What is
1: this? Stray thoughts. Oh,
0: stray thoughts. You know,
1: you know when you look at something on a wall, and your mind goes somewhere, and it gives you a thought, and it's like, oh my God,
0: uh-huh.
1: or I didn't really think that kind of thing, you know,
0: uh-huh. Uh-huh. okay, yeah. I, I, I
1: kid you not, I looked at the sign one day, one point in the day today, I guess I must have been really tired, and yeah. I didn't see X-L-I-X. You saw
0: X-X-X? I
1: saw X-Lax. <laughs>
0: oh, my goodness.
1: I was tired. Yeah, I man, had to like, be tired.
0: Definitely. Uh, well, yeah, you did 12 hours a day, you? So, there you go.
1: But it was it's yeah you know, it's, it's just but it was just one of those one of those moments I I did a double take because it did remind it XLIX okay I could have been Maybe an you A needed
0: I don't know I, I
1: don't think I needed it <laughs> well you're I mean,
0: definitely running off at the brain. Hey, after, after
1: an all day binge on chips and salsa yesterday I definitely did not need any Well, exercise. I figured we were, we, were, we got our chips and
0: salsa done early so we wouldn't have to worry about the Super Bowl yeah. you know <laughs> uh,
1: that's for sure. Well, no. let's get right into it. Yeah. We're going to start with uh news from NASA. Um this week, uh actually tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. At least yeah, I think Monday. it is, right?
0: Yeah, tomorrow's Monday. From
1: Sunday to Monday, yeah, so it's a Monday.
0: Yeah. NASA's
1: going to outline oh, I'm sorry, that's that's a different article. See, now I'm getting ahead of myself. See? You you're confusing me tonight.
0: You are a space flight. Yeah, okay. Space flight. NASA
1: outlines why it passed over Sierra Nevada. Now NASA cited recently the complexity of Sierra Nevada's Dream Chaser space plane and an uncertainty of when the proposed crew transport craft would be ready to fly astronauts to the ISS. Now, and and that's the primary reason that the agency picked Boeing and SpaceX for lucrative contracts to develop commercial space taxis. Now, the Sierra Nevada's Dream Chaser... What? You're playing with a microphone. What's up?
0: I'm just making sure that they can hear you. Oh,
1: okay. All right. Uh. The Dream Chaser spacecraft is intended to take off on top of a ULA Atlas V and land on a runway like the shuttle and of course it's not quite as far along as the CST-100 and the and the Crew Dragon. Now you got to give them credit though. It is it is a competing spacecraft. They they are making progress.
0: Yeah, they're not.
1: They don't seem to be having near the troubles that uh, Virgin Galactic has had in the last several months.
0: Well, I think Virgin's its, gotten. A, I think it got like scared. That. Virgin's gotten a little scared.
1: So. Well, what gives you that idea? You get scared of what?
0: Well, because they went boom. <laughs> it, whenever they, whenever anybody goes boom, it gives you pause, reflection there. <laughs> what?
1: Well, well, I see that depends on how old you are and what your. Well, you're booming, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, there you go. There, you go. there oh. are those that a boom comes by and people get excited. <laughs>
0: that, that All right. That is true. I mean, okay. look at gold. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, popular science ran an article uh, talking about ion thrusters on the NASA in uh, NASA missions redraw the boundaries of space exploration. Now, in early March, the Dawn spacecraft is going to enter the orbit of the dwarf planet Ceres. We've been starting to see some of the photos come back on this. Uh, It's just starting out to get a little blurry, but they're starting to clear up as as we go forward. Um, We're going to see a whole new world, says Mark Raymond, Dawn's chief engineer and mission director. Eight years since its launch, and four years after visiting the second largest object in the asteroid belt, Vesta, Dawn will be the first spacecraft to orbit two alien protoplanets in a single mission. Um, now that achievement is made possible by Italian on engines, which are about a foot in diameter. Now these are not great big, huge engines. Uh, I mean, a foot—that's just barely twelve inches.
0: Well, and I think
1: a lot of times people don't I realize. I think a foot is twelve
0: inches here.
1: Yeah, that's what yeah. I said.
0: You said it's about. I said bow. that's
1: just twelve inches. Oh, okay. And don't be don't be quibbling about my words here.
0: <laughs> but th- I just it, want to make sure you knew. It was 12 I just think inches it's interesting.
1: But. That when That's people so think, it's not very big, is it? Oh, it's a teeny. Yeah. By yeah. comparison to what we normally think about in terms of rockets, when they're as big as a freaking bus. Well, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you look at Saturn V, they were even bigger than the length of a it's bus. It's
0: a mini-me. Well,
1: oh, this is smaller than a mini-me.
0: <laughs> it's a mini-me compared to a actually. You know, to it's like actually, you know, you to,
1: if you really want to find out about ion propulsion, go go Google it, check out Wikipedia. They've got a lot of good articles on it. Um, it's actually been around quite a while. Uh, it's been in use on several spacecraft over the years, but uh, this is exciting about the ion propulsion and actually about being able to see Ceres close up. Now, moving on, documents show how Boeing and SpaceX one commercial crew amid uh, schedule concerns. Now, recently released government documents um, evaluating the proposal were concerned about the ability of the three company competitors to stay on schedule. The document says Boeing had the best scores of the three companies in two key parameters, mission suitability and past performance. Uh, duh, they've been doing it for how many decades? They've been part yeah, of the space be program. for them. Yeah, they, they better be good at those two things. Um, and Boeing had a rating of excellent in the two major su- mission suitability areas, technical and managerial, and very high in past performance, the highest ratings offered. Both Sierra Nevada and SpaceX got the next highest ratings, very good, in the mission suitability areas and high in the past performance, and basically, uh, there's I, I, I have a bit of a problem here because um, while I do understand that SpaceX and Sierra Nevada are newcomers to this process, there's a completely different approach in their designs and also in their in their progress and in their business model. Um, Whereas Boeing is still working on uh, business cost plus contracts and that kind of thinking, where they're not going to risk anything unless the government agrees to pay for it. SpaceX and Sierra Nevada have the ideal in front of their heads. They're going to go forward. And in fact, Sierra Nevada, exactly. In fact, Sierra Nevada, since they were dropped from the contract competition, is still pushing forward, albeit with a slightly scaled-down program.
0: I think that's awesome.
1: I think it is too. And we need, and we seriously, we seriously need that kind of competition. Yeah. If if the if the nascent space program is going to get off of the ground as an industry, it's Mm -hmm. got to have competitive components to it in order to progress. Um. Moving on, you know, there there is a growing debate about the value of robots over actually sending people.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think we've talked before about how I really kind of, I was really That's astounded. Insane, I
0: know. I, I
1: really hate it because robots, I mean, in as many years, the robots on Mars are traveling so slow.
0: Yeah. You want, you want to get over there and ask you push it along and you know, well
1: the thing is to get
0: in a proverbial butt
1: right, and the challenges that the rovers face we had uh one of the rovers ended up with a broken wheel. we had another rover that that's whose curiosity I believe it is wheels are deteriorating um, there are a boatload of issues you know, that the robots
0: yeah, face think they're the nearest discount and
1: despite the fact that they've all. Exceeded their design tenure. Yeah, they're they're definitely working a heck of a lot longer than than they were intended to survive. Again, this is kudos to the designers. But uh, one of the things that's that's coming up in this debate between robots and humans okay. is that NASA and Microsoft teamed up to develop software called Onsite, a new tech that will enable scientists to work virtually on Mars using wearable technology called Microsoft HoloLens. And in fact, this has been in the news recently. Uh, as Microsoft is releasing this uh, in other venues. Now, the document, oh,
0: whoops. Other uh, venues?
1: Well, other market areas. Mm-hmm. They're, they're beginning to make it available in other areas uh, for computer programmers and so forth. Developed by NASA's Jet Propulsion JPL in Pasadena, on-site will give scientists a means to plan and along with the Mars Curiosity rover, conduct science ex- operations on the planet. Now, the thing to remember is is, is that um Basically, this is a um, get the data from the Mars rover, apply the software, and make decisions about what's coming up in the future. This isn't a live, real-time VR pr- program, which would be re- way cool. It would be absolutely way cool. Um, the problem with that, of course, is the time delay.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: So, and and that also adds some of the some of the quandary that they face. In giving the rovers instructions on how they move forward and why they must move forward so slowly.
0: Yeah, we um, actually, uh, you were showing me one uh, one other time um, how a delay, you're not being able to watch the rover moving, and you're able, to, and you realize what problems they would have. Yeah. Not being able to see it because you know one wall is it's it's huge and it's oh, not yeah. even a wall.
1: We, just for the listeners so you understand what the heck we're talking about here, um, we, we built a uh, simulated, teleoperated rover okay. here, and it was actually, we had it at a couple of parties, we showed it out at a couple of events, the uh, kids loved it, it was challenging to the adults, we even made a couple of videos, and what we discovered is, is it's a lot harder to learn to drive the thing, sure. because your perspectives are off
0: yeah. uh, when
1: you're using sure. the cameras on the on the device. I got and, into
0: the gutter and I'm going like what what in the heck is that? What is that? that great
1: big black What's thing? What's
0: that great great big thing in front of in front of a car? Uh only to find out that was the curb.
1: <laughs> well and yeah.
0: So <laughs> things incorrect. are way out of
1: perspective yeah. even if you've got stereoscopic vision on the rover. So yeah. a lot of challenges. Um and the idea of using V R is a great Great idea, it's a great option, and I'm sure it will have uh, offer some new opportunities that they haven't had in the past for better assessing the situation, better assessing where the rover is going and so forth. Um, but there's nothing like being there and touching things to be able to move forward quickly. Uh, we'll be coming back to this discussion about um, some of the issues facing rovers versus humans. Moving on to international news, Sarah, singer Sarah Brightman in training for Space Tourist role In Moscow, Russia, uh, Ms. Brightman has started a grueling 72-hour survival course in a snowy Russian forest to train for upcoming role as a space tourist. Russia's Cosmot Training Center said Friday, A soprano known for starring roles in West End musicals composed by her ex-husband Andrew Lloyd Webber is due to spend 10 days in space in September after paying around $52 million to become the eighth space tourist in a flight arranged by U.S. Space Adventures. Wow. So, you know, this is, this is interesting. And, you know, it's interesting to remember that Space Adventures has been uh, incremental um, in not just this one, but several of the, in fact, almost all of the space tourists that have gone up to the International Space Station.
0: Um,
1: they are the... Uh, what do they call it? Uh, 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 travel agent to space <laughs> in this day and
0: age. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, they have negotiated far more than, uh, I mean, consider the miles covered in this. I mean, you're, you're talking... Um,
0: Man, that would be so cool.
1: To go into space?
0: Freak-of-fire miles.
1: Oh, there, there there you go. I know. <laughs> In Europe, the the European Space Agency has outlined its vision for what lunar exploration could be in the future in a new video released on the Internet today. Um, It comes in the wake of a decision to look, and actually this was done um, on the 20th. Uh, It comes in the wake of a decision to look into collaborating with the Russians over sending a lander to the moon's south pole. The video is, is general and contains no reference to any specific future missions, but it is interesting because it seems to suggest that ESA would see a return to the moon's surface as a precursor to going elsewhere. Uh, again, also another interesting point, that many of the government programs are looking at the idea of going to the moon first in order to use the moon as a stepping stone to get to Mars.
0: Violent. Um Well,
1: they're looking at it.
0: They're yeah, looking at
1: it. And we know how slow governments make decisions. Um,
0: yeah. So enough that they forget what they were thinking about when they...
1: Right. (laughs) Moving on. uh, Organizers of Africa to Moon uh, hope to inspire and educate a new generation of engineers and scientists as well as shattering prejudices in the rest of the world that often paint this as a hopeless, dependent, and scientifically illiterate continent. The ultimate ambition, which would take a decade, is to put a probe on the lunar surface or in orbit around it, then beam back live pictures via the Internet to classrooms all over Africa.
0: It will also be a platform
1: for experiments proposed by scientists, but Weltman believes the journey is as important as the destination. Every year there will be a related project inviting mass participation. And this is a theme. This represents a theme that I think is beginning to grow and um, uh, get stronger as as the months go on, and that is is that um, participation. And okay. mass participation. Yeah. Uh the idea that getting to either the moon or Mars isn't going to happen unless we've got a lot of people involved in some way.
0: Is it a crowdfunding one that you told me about?
1: No. Uh well yeah, this is this one is, is a crowdfunding mission. Mm-hmm. Uh they're using I forget which of the crowdfunding units, well, I'll but
0: find, I'll find out. Yeah, there you go.
1: You go ahead and do that while we move on. Into private space and new space companies. This Monday, tomorrow, NASA, SpaceX, and Boeing commercial crew is going to hold a briefing 12 p.m. Eastern time. Now, the representatives will host the briefing in Houston to update the public about the progress of the commercial crew program starting at 12 noon uh, Eastern time. Uh, NASA's commercial crew program is designed to create a private fleet of, Boeing and Space ships to NASA. you can watch the conference live um, on Ustream. NASA TV, Ustream. Yeah. Yeah. So, on the link is, uh, we we're putting up the Ustream link to NASA TV for you as well. Um, and then moving on, SpaceX and the Air Force have settled their dispute over the military launches. And SpaceX saying it has worked out a path forward with the Air Force that will let the California-based company compete for national security space launches. As a result of the agreement, SpaceX is dropping its legal challenge to a military satellite launch contract that the Air Force awarded to ULA last year. Now, moving on also to um, another. Right, okay. what? What are you doing?
0: Okay, you having this. trouble
1: keeping up? Well, come on and get with
0: the. Well, you just talked to You Talking to <laughs> you
1: know, <slower.
0: laughs> No. No.
1: We've got. A substantial amount of material here to go through this week there has been a lot happening um, Yay. so anyway uh, we've got now you remember many of you may remember last time uh, now over the last month uh, there was news that SpaceX uh, acquired uh, lease on the space complex at uh, Cape Canaveral well a second company California based Moon Express which seeks to extract and exploit lunar resources, will base its spacecraft development flight test operations at Space Launch Complex 36. Moon Express signed the SLC-36 agreement with Space Florida, the state's aerospace economic development agency. The launch facility was decommissioned in 2007, but in 2010 the Air Force issued licenses to Space Florida with the aim of making SL-36 Okay, just checking. Yeah. Kind of moving Check. stuff around here. Confusing me. Checking? With the aim of making SLC 36 available for commercial use, Moon Express uh, representative shared. Now, Moon Express plans to government and commercial payloads to the moon and eventually aims to mine lunar resources such as ice, metals, helium-3, uh, as a potential lunar fusion, nuclear fusion reactors. A uh, coffee table-sized lunar lander called MX-1, whose first trip to the moon is scheduled to occur soon as part of the $30 million Google, Google Lunar X Prize competition, and we've actually got two links for you on that one. Uh, two, two different references to bring out different uh, different points. Crowdfunded lunar mission will put donors' hair on the moon. A crowdfunded moon lander that will drill deep into the lunar surface to study rocks that formed soon after the birth of the solar system has been announced by a British organization. Lunar Mission One aims to transform how space exploration is done by covering the costs of expeditions with millions of small payments from the public instead of a major investment from national space agencies. Now, this is a cool idea. Crowdfunding. And we've talked about this briefly before. Um... But the problem that I have with it is is that, you know, if you're going to crowdfund something, the trend in crowdfunding today, and you and I were having this conversation the other day, yeah. is that in crowdfunding, the biggest trend is for people who are trying to produce some marketable product, okay. be it a comic book, be it a film, a book. Um, some uh, 3D printers were okay. crowdfunded a that game. way. Or a game, absolutely. Um, and so uh, a lunar mission is going to be a challenge. And I I haven't looked at the crowdfunding campaign. I I need to go look at that. It's on Kickstarter. Um, It presents special problems because everybody is still going to be donating without a lot of return on investment. And that's something that I think is a a key issue that the public needs to, at some point, have a return on investment other than either a certificate or a piece of rock or the knowledge that they've sent some hair up there. So I think there's... um, Okay. Cher, what was that? Something caused you to giggle.
0: I can just see an alien getting on the moon and going like, hair? Where the hair come from?
1: (laughs) This is biological material. What's that doing here? Oh. All right. Now we're on to our next segment of the show. We talk about related tech. And in related tech, we look at things that either are contributing or very well could contribute to putting people into space long term. Our first story comes um, from, where is this, I believe it's Japan, and basically the incredible indoor food factory in Japan is claiming that it can produce 100 times more heads of lettuce per day than an outdoor counterpart of the same area and also produces 80 percent less food waste. The entire thing is stored inside a building measuring around 2,500 square meters, 25,000 square feet, and now versions of the setup are being built in Hong Kong with future construction planned in Russia, mainland China, and Mongolia. Now, there's two references to this, one from Science Alert one from National Geographic. The National Geographic actually provides just a little bit more detail, albeit it's a bit older. Um, The thing about this is the one thing I questioned about the article is, is, and I was kind of disappointed, they don't talk about whether it's hydroponic, aquaponic, or some other derivative of those those technologies. And I find it interesting because the one thing that they do point out the most is that the farm uses a particularly uh, unique uh, form of LED lighting for the plants. The idea being that it stimulates a, a longer growth cycle, and uh more in depth growth uh and so forth of the plant so that they could generate these what like uh what is said a hundred times more productive than outdoor fields uh the other thing is is that uh my reading has generated that hyd- if it's hydroponics, that wouldn't make sense because that uses oftentimes more water than an outdoor field, which would leave the suggestion that it's a form of aquaponics which recycles the water and so forth, but they're adding nutrients, so there, there are some questions here, and I'd be interested to know. If somebody finds out, let us know. Uh, moving on. Again, we're talking about food again. CNN's Dr. Sanjay Gupta learns how space food is developed, and then he's put through some workouts as the astronauts. Now, this is a video. Uh, he test tastes some food, talks to one of the, uh, the uh, nutritionists, and then jumps into the exercise program and goes through three machines the astronauts use to reduce bone loss, in zero G. This was real interesting. And that machine is, is scary uh simply because it's not like the exercise machines we use here on earth, which you got a stationary bike. It's stationary. It doesn't go anywhere. Um weightlifting thing. It it not only do your do you push up, but your feet move at the same time. It's not like you're pushing against a floor and and doing your, your lifts. This this whole thing moves and and Remember
0: Wizard of Oz. Okay. <laughs> At one point, when the twister takes the the you know Dorothy's house and it goes up into the twister and is spinning around and around. Yeah, I'm not it. And then you then she here. sees she's still inside the house, right? Yeah. And she sees you know the the wicked woman who's chattered dog and and you know her. Oh, the bicycle flying through the yes, twister. Yeah, okay. I'm I just yeah, thinking right. about. Now, that would be probably the look of the stationary bike up in space. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just told you it's not a stationary bike in space. I mean, it kind of sort of is. It's floating, it, right? Well, kind of, sort of, but it's, it's not really a bicycle. It's, and, and you don't sit on a seat with it. That was also the thing that was weird. Okay. There's no seat. Okay. That's just, you you got to look at the video. It's imagine. really intriguing.
0: Man. You got to yeah. check out the
1: video yeah. because it's really interesting yeah. how that works. Um,
0: yeah. But definitely, guys, you need to take a look at that. Oh, yeah. That'd be it's, it's an odd,
1: It's some of that's it's really odd. And, you know, we yeah. often think about space food and we think in terms of
0: we do? what
1: we saw in <laughs> the Apollo program uh-huh. or the space shuttle, the early parts of the space shuttle where they were eating out of tubes and. That's most of it was oh, yeah. kind of mushy goo yeah. and kind of not not very appetizing. But they're actually eating on plates and forks nowadays, and they're eating that's like potatoes and salmon world. and and they're actually eating what we call real food that's being shipped up. Now it is dehydrated when they get it, so they dehydrate it, they cook it, and boom, they're done. And I
0: see the they're actually getting full meals. Pizza, huh? Oh yeah. Well,
1: um, that's that's a the nineteen most. Right. 19 most surprising facts about space food. I'm just going to give you the first couple here. Apparently, Pizza Hut delivered the first and only pizza to outer space. Uh, The reason that was the only one is there were some problems. Uh, Check out the article.
0: Um,
1: Carbonated drinks like Coke. Other than the
0: billion-dollar tab. (laughs) Delivery delivery fee. fee. There you go.
1: Um, Carbonated drinks, number two, are like Coke and Pepsi, are actually banned because they make you vomit in space. Oh well, yeah. Uh, no, that makes it's it kind of shaking them, you up there. Shaking you up and spewing all over the place. Oh my goodness. Uh, and in third, in 1985, the media re- ridiculed Mexican scientist Rodolfo Narevila for requesting tacos in space. But actually, the interesting part of that story is tacos are one of the most popular food. Yeah. Uh, that they enjoy eating. Um, They're
0: supposed to be able to. Uh, oh, 3D, and there was there was princess. a side
1: story with this that talked about the uh, flour tortillas. One of the problems NASA was having early on had to do with keeping the tortillas fresh for as long as six months, and they just weren't getting getting the longevity they wanted. Come to find out, they turned to Taco Bell,
0: who would know how to keep who
1: who had a who had one of their providers who had worked out worked it all out and could store flour ta- uh, tortillas for much longer than six months. But I got to tell you very good. <laughs> well, actually, I guess they do because they're still very uh. Well, moderate. I used but to work at
0: Taco Bell way back then, and there's certain shelf life for tacos right. and shells because they start getting stale.
1: Well, sure, most foods do. So you got to wonder what are they doing
0: I don't,
1: to these I, tacos you know, honestly, I don't
0: to, to make to them know. last
1: that kind of length. That's
0: that's called unnatural. <laughs> well, there's space no, is unnatural
1: for humans, yeah isn't
0: it yeah that is, there's no way to keep that stuff with, yeah and it's not supposed to be in the human body but okay. hey here's here's a gallery I
1: think you all will like. I remember many times looking at some of the artist renditions of what some of the big um uh the big settlements would look like in space as we go forward. Go check out this gallery um the Enclosed living spaces, reminiscent of many artists' renditions of space habitats, particularly on the moon or on Mars. Uh, typically, we see those in domed facilities. Well, check these things out. These photos. are four gasometers um, that originally housed four gigantic gas tanks with a brick facade. Each one was 230 feet tall, 197 feet in diameter, and with a storage capacity of over 3 million cubic feet each. Once used for the storage of coal gas, the gasometers were retired in 1984 as the city shifted over to natural gas. By 1981, they were classified as a heritage buildings due to their unique architecture and thus escaped demolition. Now, despite random use since the closing of the plant, um, for example, the setting of the James Bond movie, The Living Daylights, um, things have changed. And now they've actually built apartment units and housing complexes and Office complexes inside these cylindrical buildings wow. it's fascinating. Check out the gallery I think you'll you'll appreciate it. Uh, it is a related tech it is um, archae- uh, excuse me architecture uh building inside a building and I cannot imagine the challenges that they faced when they gutted the tank out and were left with the brick facade and then had to build buildings inside this structure which Represent some of the challenges that we will face when we do start getting buildings, uh, building structures in orbit that will actually house housing components as we get going. Um, now, also in related technology, the the internet's been a buzz this week. Uh, the internet space race is shaping up to be a wild ride. SpaceX confirmed it raised a billion dollars in financing from Google and Fidelity. Which will help the company push ahead with its plan to create a space-based global internet service. Now, space-based applications like imaging satellites can help people more easily access important information. So we're excited to support SpaceX growth as it de- develops new launch technologies. Now, that was a comment from Google spokesperson who, who was talking to ABC News in statement. Of course, this is a um, an article from abcnews.go.com for other technology area. So yeah, check out that article. Definitely some interesting reading. Uh there are also multiple sites on the web that have been carrying that uh particular component. So with that, actually we got through that a lot faster than I expected tonight. <laughs> uh,
0: just so, <laughs> so you guys know I put up the link that he's going to be talking about uh during the commentary.
1: In our commentary, uh I came across uh, two uh, opposing op-ed pieces talking about going to Mars. Um, uh, yeah, to okay. Right. Uh, Michael Meniker, uh from... Let me get my notes up here. Um, Michael Meneker is a professor of biology at the University of Virginia and has conducted Mars-related basic research on circadian rhythms for NASA uh talks about why humans shouldn't go to Mars, and then in the alternative, um, John Strickland, a member of the Board of Directors of the National Space Society and an advocate with the Space Frontier Foundation, um, talks about his views about why we should go to Mars. Go. And we will be coming back with our commentary and summaries of these two points of view for you in just a few minutes. We're going to take a break, station identification. And give uh, our engineer here time to run a commercial or two. If oh. you don't trip over the cables.
0: I have to trip over the cables. Of course, I have to find one. <laughs>
1: Come on, give it a program, engineer. What?
0: Why don't you come on
1: out to the Hey Girls Americana radio show, hosted by Song River and Carol Pacey of Carol Pacey and the Honey Shake? All coming to you live on KWOD Independent Internet Radio, broadcasting from the Ice House Tavern in Phoenix, Arizona. All sound, recorded, and mixed by Vintage Note Records. Come on out, check out the show, and then visit the website at blogtalkradio.com backslash kwodradio. We'll see y'all out there.
0: Now, the Hey Girls music show, as we just had a station identification for, is going to be this Wednesday at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, which is also Arizona time. And... Just to let you know what else is going on in February. We're going to be at we're going to be at the amazing Arizona Comic Con. Uh, that's downtown Phoenix. Amazing Arizona Comic Con 13, 14, and 15. So over Valentine's Day. So I know where I'm going to be. <laughs> I uh, demand the, the the tables, and of course, obviously, and we have brand new books and authors are going to be sitting at the table, so we're excited to have everybody on board and and uh, we'll do a couple shows while we're there uh, with these brand new authors. So, and of course, uh, also Al's going to be there with his book. So, our books plural. One is actually nonfiction, so, uh, so it's a brand new one. Woohoo! So definitely, uh, if you're in the area, come on out and you know check out the amazing Arizona Comic-Con. On the 21st, we've got the Publishing and Marketing Meetup for Authors, 1230 to 230. Take a look at the meetup on um, the writing groups uh, in order to find out more information and the location. Again, we'll have another Hey Girls show. Makeshift Skyline. We are going to have on February twenty-fifth, eight ten p.m. So that we're going to take a one minute fifty-nine second hiatus here, and you guys can get your drink and then get ready to commentary. And you know, again, the phone number here is seven one four. 242-5145, Two four two five one four five. You know, it doesn't have to be Al's opinion. Other people can chime in and the cast. Again, keep it to the commentary at hand. That'd be great. Thank you. And we'll be right back. How's that one. This is the Next Space Show with Al and Joe, and I am Joe, and this is Al. Welcome back, folks. We're just ready to rock and roll and talk about this. Yeah. Let's mix it up. One
1: one of the things that's that's been hitting the Internet, um, actually for quite some time now, um, in the last couple of years, particularly since uh, SpaceX, Boeing, and the uh, CCT-CAP, well, whatever that is, the commercial crew. Um, is this idea that, well, where are we going next? Uh, we've heard discussions about NASA not having a clear and directed plan beyond one next destination, and I think that's true. But also, that's to a certain point. Um, there seems to be some um, contention growing in the thing that for some people we don't need to send people to Mars. And some people say, yes, we need to send people to Mars. And more specifically, um, there was an op-ed on uh, the Richmond Times Daily uh, this this past week from a gentleman, Michael Meniker, is a, as professor of biology at the University of Virginia. He's conducted Mars-related basic research on circadian rhythms for NASA, and in his in his piece, and, and I encourage you to read it um, and think about it because he talks about some basic points of why not.
0: Um,
1: that uh, in the article he talks about the aspect that to go to Mars and to come back uh, is a minimum, absolute minimum of a year, and Primarily, if you hit the time right, in fact, our next opposition, uh, our closest opposition for many years, is coming up in 2018. Uh, if a crew launched uh, towards Mars in 2018, I forget which month it is, that would take around five to six months to get there, again, using current technology. Now, the second item that he points out is, and, and I'm sorry, before I move on, um but the challenge is, is that when it comes time for them to come back, assuming they're able to spend six months there, so you've got six months to get up there, six months to stay there, it's going to be at least a year and probably closer to 18 months for the travel time to get back to Earth. Now, that then presents huge risks to the human crew, isolation, radiation, Other hazards, micrometeorites, all sorts of stuff that could happen. And that doesn't even include the issues that they're going to face um, in uh, maintaining their habitat, whatever form it will take on Mars during their sojourn. Then there's the expense, estimated at over $5 billion plus for a single mission to Mars and returning. The ethical issues of a one-way, as opposed to a sample return, uh, come into play when we look at sending people to Mars either on a one way trip, and of course, everybody gets down to the nitty gritty and says, Well, what are the kids going to be like? Uh, and what are their challenges? And can you actually have kids in the lowered gravity? Lots of questions we have not yet answered. And you're dooming these people. I, I actually saw a post where it said that those people who take the one way trip are doomed to all of the doom and gloom issues that they would face uh, on the low-gravity, no-oxygen atmosphere of Mars. You know what? what?
0: Those people who want doom and gloom, they can just stay here. Sure.
1: I think it's a good point. We
0: didn't ask them to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: uh, hang on, because there's other points that...
0: Frankie there's wanted, other, point point Meneker,
1: there's I mean, other points that Menaker, there's other yeah, well, points that shares that come into play, too. and one of those points, the next point he makes is, is that robots work well instead of humans, and we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, okay. and earthbound problems to solve rather than spending all of this money in space. Now those are the key points that he brings up in his op ed, Why humans should not go to Mars now, Mr. Strickland, on the other hand, Presents an alternative point view. Now, Mr. Strickland, John Strickland, is a member of the board of directors of the National Space Society and an advocate with the Space Frontier Foundation. Now, here he does not necessarily speak for any organization. The views are his own. But he, he makes some intriguing counterpoints. And he starts out and points out the conflict of interest in human versus robotic missions because... Most of the people who are running robotic missions are taking money away from other projects that could be take, dealt with of issues here on Earth. So,
0: and, and that's a reason to go. Well, no. The, the,
1: the point he's making here is, is that uh, people who work on robotic missions have a job. That job is to work on a robotic mission. If we start sending humans, then that means we're going to be sending less robots, which means they're going to be out of a job. So there's a certain oh, amount of I conflict think. of interest here, uh, okay. Okay. okay? And and granted, they might actually just be able to shift over to the to the human mission and sure. and so forth. Oh,
0: there's, so, there's, but there's yeah, that robotics then. Well,
1: sure, sure, sure. The next thing is time. But this isn't new. I mean, think about this. Even today, sailors make yeah they they, they spend time on ships anywhere from six months to a year or more where they are in isolation as they cross the seas. Yeah, they get to stop in at ports of call. But you still have people, particularly some of our Navy seamen, Mm -hmm. who spend six months or more at sea in a submarine.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: about as cramped as it gets.
0: Yeah.
1: And when you're under the ocean, you're talking huge amounts of pressure, and that's got to tell. That's got to prey heavily upon your psyche. Huh? It'll
0: shorten you. (laughs)
1: Okay, yeah, like, we're going to leave that one alone and move on. <laughs> now, as far as
0: no small. Yeah, yeah, as
1: far as risks uh, to uh, such as isolation, radiation, and other hazards, ancient mariners and even some mariners today risk life and limb at sea in strange there ports. I mean,
0: uh, uh, every, every just, uh,
1: just just going down the street in New York at night. Is risk to any life and city, limb well any city yeah chicago detroit
0: yeah, l a any think. of them
1: sure, any of them can present
0: uh, Even Mesa.
1: serious danger to life and I'm limb, but me. also you know
0: we there's here, so when when thinking dangerous.
1: in terms of risk, it's about the long term risk yes. and the long term risk of radiation um the isolation, mm-hmm. and radiation being key because mm-hmm. you you stay in space too long and you end up cutting off years of your lifetime if she should happen to get cancer but then again that's just what a way to go well at the same time though um getting cancer is not fun no you know i don't have personal experience but it's
0: not fun no matter what planet you're on
1: that's right and the reality is is that whether you get cancer out there or you get cancer back on earth um it's still It's it's still a bitch and there are enough things here between cigarettes and, and uh, oh, geez, California's got a list of stuff that cause cancer uh, a mile long.
0: Just driving on the freeway.
1: You know, cell phones.
0: How many of us have cell phones? Okay.
1: <laughs> there's, there's there's your radiation yeah, yeah, thing. So, you know, not to downplay the radiation risk that does indeed exist in traveling in, in yeah, planetary space. People
0: got to stop sleeping with their but, phones. Well, yeah, I mean, for crying
1: out loud, folks. And then there's the expense. But even on the expense side, we look at projects like the James Webb, Webb Telescope, which um, Mr. Strickland points out is near 10, 10, estimated at near $10 billion, which is at least one, if not two, missions to Mars. So again, a lot of it's about perspective. Now, ethical issues as far as one way or returning back. Um, there are reasonable solutions to mitigate the risks that do exist. But even so
0: You still gotta go.
1: You still gotta go. Somebody's got to go. And then lastly when when thinking in terms of the earthbound problems that we have to solve, such as hunger, disease, famine and then of course the challenges to science. These are always going to exist.
0: Always exist. They always have existed.
1: Absolutely. And so
0: nothing new. Right.
1: But I, I'd like to actually expand on this just a little bit. And I think both of these men um miss a far more important point that's becoming uh clear, or at least in my mind it's becoming clear, uh in the world as we look at these discussions. There have been a host of articles in the past uh, year alone that have talked about uh, the question that where is NASA's drive? Where is their plan? Where is their direction? Where are they going? People are looking for a direction, a plan, that consolidates a multi-mission ideal. NASA, and and in fact, quite honestly, All of the missions that we've talked about tonight are one-off projects. Whether it's Lunar Mission One, it's Africa to the Moon, uh, even the Mars One and Mars Inspiration are one-off missions. These are one-shot deals that are going to cost in the millions or billions of dollars just to develop, much less launch. And yet, each and every one of them is a one-off project. And so... um, this represents a way of thinking that if we don't get off this merry-go-round of the one-off missions, we are going to continue to spend 5 or $10 billion for one-off missions
0: also, that will end up going wheels. nowhere. We're spinning our wheels.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, you know, it's, it's great that people are wanting to do this. I mean, you know, can't, can't say that's not a good thing. but Right. Uh, some kind of plan, some kind of goal.
1: And there's there's another aspect here that I think oftentimes in our enlightened state and age <laughs> Your quotation, right here, We we forget <laughs> something more um more compelling I think. Which is
0: um and that is is
1: that um we as a species explore in order to grow. Yeah. We don't explore for science sake alone. No. And for engineers to sit in their little bubble and think that their, their mission is going to go do all this wonderful exploration and it's going pat to help society and pat each other on the back, this is not why we explore. No.
0: We okay. explore as
1: a species because we have growing population pressure. That pressure drives us outward to seek new lands and as our species Always is growing, uh, well, yeah, I mean, what, you you look at the Indus Valley migrations that pushed people outward as they looked for new lands to settle, to grow more food, to have more fertile hunting grounds and all these kind of things. And then from Indus Valley, we had the expansions into Africa, Asia, and Europe. And then from Europe, they came to the Americas and Australia. And now the the Americas expanded. You've got Countries and nation states on every continent today. We even have people living on Antarctica uh, as well.
0: Which is crazy. Which it's is crazy. crazy. I, I mean,
1: know. yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you to talk you, you talk about the potential for isolation and the challenges of we, of feeding need your crew. We them
0: from the and take them on the moon. No. come They're already isolated.
1: Yeah, but they're also already crazy.
0: <laughs> Which is exactly the same issue. <laughs> They're already nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And cold.
1: Okay. So uh, the point I'm making here yeah, is I is that
0: the, the reality
1: is is both Mr. Menneker and Mr. Strickland make good points. Mm. If your focus is about science and science uh,
0: scientists.
1: Or if you're in the that, dinosaur, don't want them to live anywhere. Well, that was. Great. And engineering, uh, STEM, STEAM, however you want to call that, typically follows this whole scientific method thing, which is a observe, hypothesize, mm-hmm. um, uh, test, and draw conclusions, and then you go back to the same circle. So this this whole circle running around, spinning our wheels thing, is all part of the engineering approach. And I think that we forget that we are people first, engineers second. And if we are going to grow as a people, and you know, I I was doing research for my upcoming book, and I'll be talking about that book in upcoming weeks, Um, what it's about, what we'll be covering, and and where it'll be available and so forth. But the thing is, is in doing the research for the book, um, I delved a lot into history and found some interesting parallels. Like, you know, we've talked a few times about the migrations, Of um, the settlers and the pilgrims uh, starting that migration to the New World and it wasn't just North America some of these people went to Central America some went Caribbean some went to South America Um, and you had all of the European nations were involved at some point or another Um, but then you had this move west in the in, in America in the US in the 1800s you had a move towards Australia in the 1700s and these were big migrations we had millions of people over the course of of a few decades that were transplanting themselves from one continent to another
0: So why did they go
1: why did they go they went for homes they went for jobs they went for opportunities to grow and I I truly believe that until we can get on this bandwagon and remember that NASA, Roscosmos, ESA, um, uh, JAXA have all been working hard on the engineering solutions necessary to move people into space. And by people, I mean the average Joes, the guys that are going to go up and do the mining, the guys that are going to go up and be the uh, food service guy at the Bigelow Hotel in orbit. Okay? Um, These people are going to need resources. Yeah. And you're not going to grow food on Earth to feed a large population of people in space. And i got to tell you, I don't care how optimistic an engineer is going to be, we're not going to build a space habitat in Earth orbit or at L1 or L2 that is going to house thousands of people until we can work out an economy in space. And that's not going to happen any other way than it has happened over the centuries on Earth, which is small, little Cubbyholes holes of population, moving out into the frontier, establishing trading posts. Then the troops come, you get a base, you supply the base. Then people come to support the base. They build an economy. And you get farmers that show up and start growing food locally. Well, I
0: think that farmers are going to have to come, like, very early on. Well, the IFS has
1: food. been up there 20 years, and they've been supplying food up there through Progress and now uh, – so right, different that's things onesies, from twosies. That's yeah. onesies, twosies. They're carrying a lot of cargo up there. Yeah, 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 You know, but they're also, they're wasting a lot of stuff. Did you know?
0: One of the articles
1: uh, talks about the sheer amount of waste that goes on at the ISS. And this is this is one I really love. Yeah, uh, we talked about this a we, we talked about this a couple of times back. <laughs> and one of the things, you know, they do not wash their uniforms up there.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, they throw them, them away. Like
1: they throw them away
0: totally goes against every recycling program that, you know, all the sure. kids are learning.
1: But they yeah. are recycling their pee. They're drinking their pee now. Yeah. So they're, they're, well, they're well, kind of work working towards it. All
0: the kids are going, ew. <laughs> 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 but, I, I, you know, I've gone past that because, you know, i already seen all your specs and all that.
1: so. Oh, yeah, that's true. So. And, of course, there are engineers. We talked last week about them starting to learn to recycle
0: um,
1: the fecal matter as well into fuel and drinking water. I, you
0: know, I just, I just <laughs> with that one. But, A lot but
1: of people eventually do.
0: Eventually, we'll be okay with that.
1: That's right. But as long as they don't know. The thing is... <laughs> This focus
0: I so that they there you go, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially
1: after a a, a day of uh, Doritos and salsa and
0: salsa and, oh, and man. pancakes and bacon. Yeah. It been a big either. time. <laughs> oh boy, that was
1: that was a, that was a long day. But anyway, and we're paying for it today, I'll tell you.
0: Yeah.
1: But I think so long as we are bound into this engineering approach for engineering reasons in the slow and plotting methodology of the scientific method, we are going to be forever caught in the cycle that NASA, JAXA, ESA, Roscosmos, and now China are all pushing forwards with with rovers that move a few inches a day at most. And this is not the way for us to progress
0: you know, to build a
1: multiplanetary yeah. species as Elon Musk I, has said we need to do.
0: As a business owner, I cannot, I just can't fathom that that two a couple inches a day is considered good under any business. <laughs> what well, do you
1: consider the damage that the rover has been taking, even at that few inches a day? That's that's it's challenging. It's very challenging.
0: I mean, where's your ROI there? You're there not...
1: isn't any. It's, it's it's about the data. It's about There's the knowledge. Data game.
0: on two inches? Come
1: on. It's not two inches. <laughs> it's at least eight. At least,
0: well, okay, there you go. <laughs> Only making it bigger than it really is. You men. <laughs> hey, when men talk
1: about inches, you got to be careful.
0: Yes. <laughs> Don't you want any men around?
1: Oh. So there, there is a mindset change that I think, a paradigm shift, that we're on the verge of making. Um, I think that we will see this happen in the coming years as we watch these crowdfunding efforts to, to build programs, as we watch people come up with things to really press forward to go to the moon and Mars, things to do in orbit. These are things that will drive us will lead us further along the path to becoming a multi species. I have a lot um, of fundains
0: who ask me questions like, well, nobody wants to go to Mars. <laughs> Why would anybody want
1: to go to Mars? Two, was it two years ago or was it yeah. three? When Mars Inspiration, or no, when the, when the scientists proposed that you could cut the cost to Mars almost in half by sending the astronauts one way, and then this whole hullabaloo. That very night, as I recall, there was an article that mentioned that there were over uh, several hundred people who emailed that night.
0: Hundred thousand. Was it? A couple hundred. Thousand. No, no,
1: no, no. It wasn't that much. No, that was the response to Mars Inspiration. Oh, okay. That was that was yeah. the applications they received. Okay. Well,
0: that's still. But the
1: original scientific paper that proposed sending a one-way mission got several hundred responses in the very first night by email saying they would go on the one-way mission. There
0: you
1: go. You know, that's, but not, that's
0: what I tell these people. Indeed. They're people who really want to go. Yes. And why would they want to go? Because they don't have a cushy life like you do. Like and, I do? Um, oh, okay, come on. Like you do. I'm oh, okay. I'm these people who have uh, me these silly questions. Well, like these
1: engineers but, do. They have, they have their careers. They've been in. No, in, uh, but they
0: do This is something they've always aspired to. And of, I
1: remember sitting in front of the TV in 1969, yeah. watching that landing on the moon. Yeah,
0: and you know, for generations there was, we we had thought we would be there by
1: now. And I've talked to many people over the years who shared that, who was there, who were there in front of their TVs as kids, uh-huh. and there was this sense that Mr. Cronkite and the astronauts and wondering. the people at NASA. Just the uh, awe and wonder, the the sense of accomplishment, yeah. the sense that this is right. just this yeah. was just the first step. Yeah. And yet, over the missions that followed, there were many challenges that fa that we faced that we didn't expect. The public became bored, lethargic, lethargic and bored because NASA was doing this whole engineer thing. Yeah, this the
0: same thing over and over again.
1: Yeah. And like deja vu. Yeah. And we've got to look at going to the moon, going to Mars, hell, going to Callisto or or Ganymede or or Saturn's Titan, these are all potential destinations for people to go and ultimately live. Now, the challenges of living there are big. Sure.
0: The thing is, once we, we make the first step, we cannot forget to continue to make a step. Because again, that's what we did not do at first.
1: And each step has to be a little bigger and longer sure. Sure. than the last one.
0: Exactly. It's called, you know, <clears throat> making progress.
1: Making progress. So Unless we've got to cover your some favorite, Your
0: favorite phrase. Yeah? Yes, it
1: is. Making yes, progress. Is. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, <clears throat> we hope you'll come back next week for the next space.
0: Yes, Super Bowl or not, we don't care. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll be here.
1: We will be here. So, enjoy it. Enjoy your week. Come back and uh, follow along with us as we recap the manned spaceflight news and related tech and commentary
0: of the week Radio. at Wad Radio. So, you going to say your favorite saying?
1: Oh, yeah. Throughout the week, be safe, be bad, and be good at it.
0: <laughs> oh, that's safe. End of our show, and we're happy that you were here to to be with us tonight. And, again, we'll be here at the same time, State Bat Channel, next Sunday, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So, with that, (laughs) we're going to say goodnight. And, yeah, just a little over an hour, so that's not too too bad time. I'm not quite sure what the blaring eyes are for, but... (laughs) But we appreciate that anyway. That little uh, icon there. So with that, you guys have a great night and a great weekend. We will see you back here again next Sunday night. This is KY Radio. Patty Mm Holstrand signing out.